Welcome to At the Elephants. I'm your host, Rob Morris, and I am absolutely thrilled to bring you an excellent show today. It's an interesting show today. I'm actually pretty excited to share it with you. So first things first, I promised some people some shout-outs, so let's get that taken care of. Number one, I believe, was Chessa Metz, who is a second-year drama student currently. And I believe she was in the high school program. She's from Concord, North Carolina, and she's super nice. That is most of what I know about her, but shout-out to Chessa. Also, Alberto Young, who you might know from Alberto Young in the Plantation of Flame, a little side project he was involved in in 2009 that really blew a lot of people away. And my good friend Anthony Bain, who lives in Round Rock, Texas, is an old friend of mine and a huge supporter of At the Elephants. Uh, Anthony is simply one of the kindest and funniest people that I've ever met, and I really don't give that away too lightly. So shout out to Anthony and his lovely wife, Stephanie. Uh, Much love for you. I received a message recently from an old friend of mine from my days in design and production at NCSA. And he actually didn't complete his track. Um, You know, NCSA is a rough place and a lot of people make the decision that it's not for them. And uh, he actually is a listener of the show and uh, a fan of the show, and he sent me a little message that I'd like to read for you now. If anyone is ever thinking about dropping out of UNCSA partway, don't. Ever since I left, I've deeply regretted it, and I'm still paying for it with negative feedback on my resume, with UNCSA still on there but not finishing. And there's the crappy jobs that I've gotten rather than the things I see other people getting like PSM for a national Broadway tour right out of college. It really is discouraging to use Facebook these days because my newsfeed is littered with my classmates doing wonderful things. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't hold anything against my classmates, UNCSA, or future UNCSA generations. Instead, it fuels me to gain connections, learn more, and try harder. It's a great sentiment, and I really wanted to share. So for those of you struggling and having a difficult time, hang in there. It's going to be all right. On the very same night that Speed the Plow, directed by Laura Braza and acted in by Kira Geiger, Michael Johnson, and Matthew Van Gessel, were performing their final dress rehearsal, the exact same play was opening in London's West End, starring Lindsay Lohan in the only female role. Well, unfortunately, Miss Lohan did not have all of her lines together and they had to feed them to her off stage. and, to put it lightly, London really tore her a new one. I guess she couldn't low-handle it. I have to say I saw Miss Geiger perform the same role in the RJR screening room, and it was absolutely excellent. That is score one for Kira Geiger and Miss Lohan, back to the drawing board. Megan West, an At the Elephant's favorite and past guest, appeared last Wednesday on the series premiere of How to Get Away with Murder, a new thrilling series from Grey's Anatomy creator Shonda Rhimes starring Viola Davis. I'll say I've seen it, and I can mention two things without any spoilers. It is nothing like Grey's Anatomy, and it was the most lifeless performance I've ever seen from my friend Megan. And I mean simply stiff and lifeless, and honestly, she looked a little pale. Just 
go watch it if you haven't already. It's on Hulu and iTunes. Okay. Of like what I'm doing, therefore. Okay. okay. Well, I um, got cast in a pilot for ABC. Nice. And uh, well, I was going for ABC, and I right. went to go film the pilot in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's called How to Get Away with Murder. Nice. Uh, it stars Viola Davis from The Help. That's awesome. Yeah, she's awesome in it. So same same writer as Grey's Anatomy Scandal. Oh, nice. So great, great writing. Um, Shonda Rhimes? Shonda Rhimes. So you're doing this pilot, yes. and it gets picked up by ABC. It does get picked up. It just got picked up a few days ago. Congratulations. Um, we, thank you. So I don't know what my future is going to entail. Right. Uh, so, like, my agent's even like, oh, are you going to commute? Are you going to live Where there? Where Like, Los Angeles. Right. So I have no idea when I'm going, how long I'm going, because I know my character is only for the season. Um, for sure? Yes, uh, because I start off dead and I can tell you this because right. it's not going to be a surprise after the pilot and right. then you figure out how I how I got there. There's going to be like one murder per episode and then there's also like two through line murders like uh-huh. that go through the season. I'm one of the through line murders. Sure. Um, um, but uh, it was it was a crazy event. I only had to film for like two days. Uh, that was fun because I got to film in freezing, freezing water and uh, wearing how much? Uh, I actually was wearing a wetsuit underneath everything. Oh, nice. But the wetsuit was like, you know, made for film, so it wasn't a real, like, heavy-duty wetsuit. Was it made to look like you weren't wearing it? It Yes. It was, like, literally my skin color. It was oh, very wow. interesting. Um, uh, and water would seep in it. And, of course. Like, and this water was everything because oh, yeah. they found out the pool heater was broken like a day before that and sounds then they like, were like production yeah uh and they were like and then one of the producers came up to me and showed me a picture and was like oh yeah this is what you would have been filming in if we had the budget but you know it's a pilot so right you would have been in like a studio with a heated pool and i was like oh cool thank you for showing me that right now because yeah. i'm freezing i was drinking tea in the water yeah. and even the stunt guy was literally shivering and like you know i had to be dead right um so that was a crazy experience. I'm going to go do some autopsy scene, and uh, and I don't even know how, how I really die. So oh. I'll be excited to get to read the script. They haven't given it to me yet, but but I'm set to shoot it next week. Oh, well, very nice. That's a yeah. good reflection of the pace at which things normally move. Yes, I mean, they call you and they're like, you ready to film? And it's like, oh, oh, now we're ready. So how did that go that when you last left them, they said, okay, we've done this pilot and uh, we hope it gets picked up. And then later they called you and they said it got picked up. We'll call you when we need you again. Yes, that's it. Gotcha. And then it was just like, hey, we need you next week. Megan also spent some time recently in Atlanta working on the new series Constantine based on the original Hellblazer comics about John Constantine. You might also remember a recent film starring Keanu Reeves and Shia LaBeouf, Tilda Swinton. It's actually pretty good despite how poorly it did. Megan landed a guest star in this first season of Constantine. Here's her to tell you about it. Yeah, I got back yesterday. From Atlanta and I have like 
two days to pack and get everything ready. Thank what goodness, were you like, working on in Atlanta? Was that Constantine or? That was Constantine. Oh, I didn't yeah, know it was shooting down there. Was it always shooting down there or did it move recently? No, it was always shooting down there. They've shot all their stuff down there. Um, gotcha. Yeah, that was so much fun. And are you, which ep- how many episodes into this first season are you? I'm episode seven. It's called Blessed Are the Damned. Gotcha. Yeah, I liked the title. Or is this close to, the, what's the, I don't know much about the show. Do you know, like, what part of the comic it's following? Or is it just doing its own thing? Or do you know? I think it's doing its own thing. Like, my character just, like, doesn't, like, exist um, in the comics. Gotcha. They are taking kind of his storyline. Like, he starts out in, like, the mental hospital, like, right. where he started. And, um, you know, it kind of goes back to, like talking about the shock therapy that he had to go through and all that stuff but um um it follows like his story but the the characters in it like you know there's not like swamp thing or anything like uh in it it's it's just like different each episode is dealing with you know demon or creature or ghoul or whatever we we like to call them and you're a you said you do you say you're a fallen angel I am a fallen angel, so um, I pretend to be a good angel for a while, and I deceive a lot of people, and uh, yeah, I end up getting killed in the end, of course, so she's very smart. Um, I mean, the way she gets, I mean, I guess I can kind of like tell you the story of it. So what happens is... um, Uh, 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 you're going to have to wait for that one. It's Megan. You know she'll be back. Another story I'd like to share with you um, is that of a friend of mine who I had originally intended to be on the show. I did actually have the interview recorded, and I wanted to share it with you guys. But after putting the segment together and um, sharing it with uh, this colleague, we decided to pull the segment. My friend got a television acting job, a really great entry-level role in a mediocre program. Now, I think my friend's story about working on the show is probably not unrelated to its cancellation, but not because of an incident, but because of what she observed as the general attitude of the cast and crew. So, essentially, she showed up ready to work, and while it wasn't an incredibly well-written show, she was excited to have her first real-life television job. She was excited, appreciative, and rightfully anxious. After getting dolled up in costume and makeup and feeling great, she made her way to set where one of the regular cast members was taking a picture of her iPad with her iPhone while in the middle of a phone call. Now, my friend hadn't even brought her phone to set because in her mind, what was she going to do with it? Well, the way the show is shot, uh, for what was explained as editing purposes, uh, it required the actors to take unnaturally large pauses in between each line, making it really difficult for anything real to happen. Not that this phased most of the actors, because they all seemed mostly interested in going through the drag of filming in order to get to the amazing craft services table where they could get whatever they wanted. Now, at the end of two days, she took home what she described to me as a disgusting amount of money for how much work she had done, and one can only imagine how much iPad Girl was taking home for her commitment to the process. Now, I share this story with you in spite of not using the segment for two reasons. 
Not all jobs are sunshine and rainbows, and I'm interested in sharing all perspectives on this program. The truth is more interesting than anything else. The other reason is because I completely understand why my friend wasn't comfortable with the segment airing. She's new to this business, and it probably wouldn't be helpful for her representation to hear on a talk show how much she didn't enjoy that job that they got her. Now, I don't think she should be obligated to enjoy every job that she gets, but in an ideal world, any rational human representing her would understand if they heard the full story that she approached the subject with humble integrity. She was appreciative of the opportunity that she was given and her disappointment came mostly in the fact that the other people who had the same opportunity were not as appreciative. It can be a disheartening thing to experience, but it isn't an ideal world and that's why that expression exists. So the takeaway lesson I think is this. There are people in this business making mad money being mediocre workers. That's good news for hard workers. Also, when you discuss the world with humble integrity, well, we all get a little closer to an ideal world. Christian Daly, or what if Stanley Kowalski wore tighter trousers? When Christian and I did Streetcar together in college with Rob Ruggiero and Maddie Jo Landers, I got an amazing opportunity to be truly affected by Tennessee Williams for the first time. Daily Stanley Kowalski stunk of sweat and brando. Maddie loved me for a liar's Blanche Dubois, and Rob Ruggiero was also a really great Blanche most of the time. Apparently, some other people enjoyed it too, and that led to some very interesting goings-on when it came time for Christian's LA showcase. But, I mean, it was it was nice because I had a big part in planning it, and, I mean, once we were in L.A., like, it was nice because our showcase went specifically L.A., D.C., New York. Right. Um, and it varies from year to year, but I like I liked doing that circuit a lot because by the time we got to New York, we had sort of fleshed off all the nerves, and we were like, all right, let's rock this, let's do it, let's go out, let's talk to people, and let's start drinking. Were you one of the people who had representation before showcase? In a way, I did. Um, I knew I had options before we went into Showcase because when we were working on Streetcar, which you and I worked on together. That's correct. Um, which I loved. Oh, man. Uh, having you some in the room of my, for that. Some of my favorite memories, man. We can talk about that later. Sure. Um, but so um, Mark Rodanti, who works with BRS, which is now BRS Gage. Right. Uh, there's been a merger, came and saw me in that, and then he sort of began... To call me and eat and basically court and be say like we're interested and when you're in New York like we would like to see you, uh, so it was nice. So I had a whole, like I had a plan coming out of school. Like I, I had a little bit of confidence walking into the room, knowing that somebody in the industry already believed in me. Right, which was nice. It it wasn't an advantage. I don't think other people had. Um, but anyway, he got to see me and and then we went to L.A. and John Langs was directing our showcase, who is absolutely amazing to work with. You've worked with John before. I have. And he, so he lives in Los Angeles. He really kind of knows what they're looking for. Right, yeah, he and uh, his wife, Clea. Yeah, um, who's beautiful. Yeah, and very such a talented woman. also. Um, so he directed the whole showcase, which was totally a gift because he had that perspective. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of, like, he came up to me afterwards and he was like, basically what he said, he was like, you knocked out of the park, it went very well. I was very busy while I was there. Mm-hmm. Um, whether or not that means, like, I booked anything, 
isn't true. Like I had a lot of very strange experiences. I went into a lot of rooms that were not legitimate and like should not what be represented. What was the shadiest room you went into? The shadiest room I went into um, you, that you like. What, or I guess yeah, here's a better way to frame the question. What was the shortest amount of time that it took you to go? <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> that's that's actually a really, really good, good way to put that. Um, there was a play, there was an, and I wish I remember their names so I could warn everyone against them. That's but, kind of the idea of this. I know, I know. <laughs> it'll come to me and I'll let you know. Um, well, hopefully they'll be out of business and there'll be other hacks out I there. I think they're probably out of business. But they, they basically, you'll know if you go in because it's a house that they've rented out as opposed to an actual office building that I Where? showed up to. It's in Santa Monica. And I walk in and first of all, it's a house and I walk in and the secretary's there and I'm sitting down and there's not really anybody else there. And I can't see the agent and, and the only person that says, you know, hello to me is kind of like, isn't it great that it's in a house? And I'm kind of like, yeah, sure. Not at all feeling that way. Right. Um, so I walk in, he's sitting behind this huge desk and I sit down and, you know, very appropriate question. I'm kind of like, so, you know, like, who do you represent? Like, who's your movers and shakers? Like, how big's the company? You um, had all kind of like come up with your little list of questions, I guess? Yeah, absolutely. Sure. I mean, you want to know the ratio of like the big stars that they have versus how much attention they can give to you bringing them in. Right. You know, it's kind of like a clout versus attention kind of ratio. Yeah, exactly. Um... And he was like, we represent everyone. And I was like, who's everyone? He was like, we represent everyone. I was like, okay, moving on. You obviously have nothing to say about this. Wow. So then he drops me two auditions to give him in the room. One's a commercial audition for like some Xbox thing. And then another one is like a 10 page set of sides. No way. So I go out and I work on him and I come back in and I'm like doing this audition in three feet behind his desk kind of like moving around and trying to make it work. And at the end of it all, he goes, all right, great. Well, um, thanks so much. Uh, and you know, like if you're, if we're interested in you, call us back on Wednesday and we'll let you know. Wait, what? Yeah. yeah. Give, he, give that to me one more time. He asked me to call him back to see if they were interested in me on Wednesday, two days later. Okay. So, the way you phrased it was even stranger. If if we're interested in you, call mm -hmm. us back. Yes. Wait, what? That's How exactly that's exactly that? what happened. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, yeah, it was a ridiculous situation. And the weirder part was that everybody was so gung-ho about how well it was going. I got the chance to finally do some research on them later, which you should always do, and I just didn't get to. Um, but they were... They basically had misled, like, a lot of young actors. Mm. And so, like, there's something to be said for, you know, do your research, be aware of the people that call you in, see everyone, because every yeah. experience is worthy to have. Right. But be very wary of the room you're walking into. Know the people, know their history, know who they've represented. Yeah, it's like you have a smartphone, you have no excuse. Yeah. Like, Google it on the cab over, or whatever it is you're doing, or rental car, or whatever. You know, it's like, yeah. figure it out. You know, one Google search is like, oh, nothing. Well, no. <laughs> you know, that's... That's a pretty big flag. If like I Google the name of your your business in charge of famous people, <laughs> and I can't even find the listing, it's like, dude, you're not doing that great. Yeah, yeah, no. you're off track. Not at all. IMDb Pro account, I highly recommend it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. There was another funny story that happened when I was in Los Angeles. Was that I was meeting with the BRS team, mm -hmm. and it was going really well. And I know that I had parked across the street in like a meter situation. Mm-hmm. And it was on, 
I don't remember it, one of the large avenues in LA uh, that it's clearly not okay to park on for any exterior, extended period of time. It's clear to you now? Oh yeah, okay. He'll, he, uh, the way this story goes. <laughs> but I was in the room and we were talking and I thought to myself like, if I leave now, they're not gonna sign me. And then, I'm, so I basically what happened is like, I just said fuck it and I let the meter run. And as I'm leaving the agency, 30 minutes later, I get out and I see like across Hollywood Boulevard that my mother's car is being towed. Oh, you didn't even have a rental. You had your mother's no, car. No, I had my mother's car. Wow. Cause I'm from San Diego, so yeah. it was just easier for me. Sure. Um, and I freak out and oh, I like no. don't have the cash to bribe him to give me the car back. Right. So I have to get in this car and then go all the way and pay for it. Anyway, the moral of the story is just go ask to move your fucking car. <laughs> right, yeah, put it off. <laughs> Don't worry about what they're gonna say. No, 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 no. And they would've, it was funny because I was so like young and concerned at the time, but in retrospect, sure. I should've just been like, I need five minutes. <laughs> what was the biggest mistake that you made during your meetings? <sighs> Ooh, Any this is actually really easy. <laughs> <laughs> this is so easy. Great. Um, I was in a meeting with Warner Brothers. Yeah. And I was meeting with her, their head casting director. But I was so nervous and I had gotten advice that she's sort of this like cute little old casting lady who just wants to be taken out and the dinner and I was sort of young and I was, and she had worked with, um, you know, like she had worked with some really, really big names in theater and I was kind of asking her about that and what that was like and she was like, well, they're dead now so like I don't really want to talk about it and I got so nervous that I like kicked her glass table by accident. And I almost broke the entire glass table. Dude. And then they were also having me in not only to meet me, but to read for something. And it was for this new political, like political sitcom called The White House, which I think only lasted about two seasons. What were you auditioning for? This guy who, like this sort of gay lover who like does a big line of coke and then they have this conversation about their relationship. Um, they hadn't cast it yet, but it was like huh. this shirtless audition. Anyway, I go into the back and I I, it, I had never really worked with sides Is extensively. Is that kind of a specialty for you, the shirtless audition? Um, that was actually the only time someone's asked me to be shirtless in an audition. That and Manya, uh, Vanya Sonia Masha and Spike. Yeah. Um, and that audition is, you, if you don't take your shirt off, then like it's probably not gonna happen. Right. Um, but I memorized the wrong lines of the sides while I was waiting you in the idiot. room. I know. <laughs> I know, I know. Like so many mistakes made. I was so green. Sure, dude. Um, but oh, it's you, it's hilarious to look back on don't, it. Don't 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 mistake yourself. You're gonna keep fing up. <laughs> oh yeah, dude. You got so many more coming. We're gonna talk again in like five years. You'd be like, dude, I got like three more for you. I got three more huge okay, mistakes. So this I made. one time I actually broke the table. I got that done. Uh, <laughs> I kicked the reader in the face. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I slapped the cameraman. Last week, Christian opened the Playmakers rep production of Durang's Vanya and Sonia and Masha and Spike, joining Alex Shaw and the original Billy Magnuson in the ranks of pickled spikes. Mr. Daly will spend a couple of days in New Orleans training at the International Tales of the Cocktail Festival, and then it's back to New York because, well, every day he's hustling, hustling, hustling. So last episode, I put out the prompt to everybody to give me feedback and opinions and stories and whatever they had to share regarding the campus police. Um, 
I find it fascinating to share with you that I received, hold on, let me count, zero comments, opinions, stories whatsoever. Not a single person, present, past, student, faculty, nobody gave me anything at all. Now, to say it's a disappointment is true, but not really the most interesting thing that I'm taking away from this. I find it very... And while it is slightly disappointing, I think it is interesting to draw the one conclusion that we know we can, which is, they're more intimidating than your average college campus law enforcer. I want to take a second to say thank you to everybody who's listened to this program so far. I know I say that every time, but I want to say it specifically at this point. Now, we've gotten almost... 500 listens, I think, total on the program, which is really just incredible, and I'm very excited to have you all involved with this. It means the world to me. I want to hear from you, all of you. Drop me a line, send me a message, leave me a comment, tell me what you think. The very few interactions I've had about the show have been just mind-blowing, and some of the insights that people have shared have inspired some of the segments that have already happened. You heard the letter earlier about my friend who left school. That's the kind of stuff I want to hear about. You know what? Because he's beautiful and I absolutely love this man, let's listen to a Max Stampa Brown song. As I took on your gown I know I might be foolish But we all got to get to the top somehow I see you cross the greatest of lakes And you pick me up, now put me down Now hand me up that rice cake circles of the boys by the pool yeah we get down yeah we get down here one two three I 
Well, we've come to the end of our show, and as always, I thank you very much for listening. It means the world to me. Do me a favor. Be kind to one another. So I've been reading about nameless things. Don't ask me what they